This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and immane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. Poor stay poor, the rich get rich, that's how it goes, everybody knows. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. AM 740. And uh, welcome to the uh, broadcast for Sunday, January the 9th, 2011. And uh, how many of you have written a check out uh, so far this year with 2010? Show of hands. Yes, thank you. I thought so. <laughs> Man, uh, someone described this uh, uh, rapidly uh, increase in, uh, in time as you get older. What do they call it? Like a, It's like a quickening. Do you remember the old movies when they wanted to show the progress of time so they would show pages on a calendar literally like flying off the calendar? That's what it feels like, right? If I turn around, it's going to be like 2015. If I blink, we'll be into, you know, 2250 or something. It's ridiculous. However, very busy show for you tonight. It's, it's jam-packed. It's more concentrated than a can of frozen Old South orange juice. And as I'm, I'm so busy, I, I literally come in here and I trip over the threshold and I throw all of my uh, my notes from my interview with Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who's coming up later, all over the place. And I'm just trying to... My wife, uh, the mighty Aphrodite, says I need constant adult supervision, and she would be correct. Uh, in any event, whew, deep breath. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, a regular contributor to this program, I will be along shortly to talk about some strange goings-on in the Hudson Valley. There seems to be sort of a, uh, a portal there. And uh, one such, uh, well, a couple by the name of Lynn and Jim, not their real names, they, uh, they bought a house in Putnam County, New York, which is in the Hudson Valley, and they've had some nightmarish occurrences in their home. Rosemary uh, Ellen Guiley was called in to investigate. She'll tell us about that. Get this, the house is located on Mayhem Road. That's coming up at 11.30. Uh, at 12 midnight, 
rather acclaimed, always controversial writer, the founder of the Center for an Informed America, will drop by at midnight, as I say, uh, to talk about his book, Serial Killers, or Program to Kill, is the name of the book, Program to Kill. It's a look, a fresh look, at uh, some of America's better-known murderers, serial killers. And uh, as I say, this is a, a fresh look, and he's sort of focusing in this book on the uh, the largely hidden patterns in these cases that suggest there may be more to the average serial killer than uh, meets the eye. Dave McGowan joins us at midnight. Nelson Thal, our media scientist friend, will drop by uh, just before midnight. Here's a strange one. Of course, we were all uh, glued to the TV set, CNN, uh, the other day as news came, uh, it was on Saturday, of this uh, shooting at a Safeway store in uh, Tucson. The target, the intended target of this supposed, quote-unquote, crazed lone gunman We've heard that before. Uh, was Arizona Representative Gabriel Giffords. But Nelson is going to uh, let us in on a little secret. He says the real target, and she uh, apparently uh, came out of uh, surgery. She was shot in the head, point-blank range practically. Came out of surgery as doing, uh, you know, far better than expected. But the real target, according to Nelson Thal, was a federal court judge who happened to be there by the name of John McCarthy Roll. And uh, he'll explain why the judge who was one of the six killed in that tragic event, was being targeted for assassination. Uh, In just a moment, however, we're going to get to, or try to get to the bottom of this dead bird mystery. This is biblical, ladies and gentlemen. These things are falling out of the sky, not only in in B.B., Arkansas on New Year's Eve, uh, then uh, a, a couple days later, they're falling out of the sky in Louisiana and then Stockholm, and then we have reports of dead birds falling out of the sky in Manitoba and Italy and everywhere. And I just keep thinking, what? There's a book in the Old Testament. Is it Ezekiel? This is like one of the seven signs, the coming of the apocalypse. I don't know. Someone help me out. If, if, if there is a, a verse in the Bible that refers to birds falling out of the sky, uh, please enlighten me. Anyway, Dr. Patricia Doyle, the lab gal, our retired doctor of veterinarian medicine, joins us next with an update on the dead bird mystery on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Welcome back and a happy 10th anniversary or birthday, 10th birthday to AM 740, the all new AM 740 Zoomer Radio. A, uh, I believe the, uh, the actual birthday was yesterday, Saturday, back in 1991. And uh, of course, a uh, tip of the cap. Uh, to uh, to program director Gene Stevens and uh, general manager George Grant and of course the big guy upstairs Moses Neimer. Uh what vision and 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 courage and uh, just wonderful people actually and I'm privileged to be a very small part of it uh, here doing my uh, my bit Sunday nights at eleven o'clock again happy tenth birthday to uh, the all new AM seven forty uh, and also a reminder that. Uh, 
The Conspiracy Show on television debuts on Vision Television. Friday, February the 18th. And uh, boy, that uh, is fast approaching. And we've got uh, 13 half-hour episodes for you. And uh, I can't wait uh, for that to debut. And uh, we're, we're still filming some interviews. Uh, at some point, we're going to get over to the U.K. We were delayed because of the weather over there. Uh, you know, when snow falls like that in, uh, in England, people over there were saying, it's biblical. They've never seen anything like it. Well, uh, you know, the, the same can be said of this whole uh, dead bird mystery. And as I say, they're dropping out of the skies. And if anyone, uh, maybe a little later in the program, we'll have time to open up the lines. If there's anyone out there uh, who can recall the passage in the Bible, uh, I don't know if it's in Ezekiel or Daniel or whether it's in um, uh, Revelations, about birds falling from the sky, some sort of a sign of the end times. Not sure. Uh, but here, to, uh, to try and unravel this mystery as best she can, we call her the lab gal. She's a retired doctor of veterinarian medicine. Dr. Patricia Doyle holds a Ph.D. in business administration and tropical agricultural economics from the University of the West Indies. And today, the lab gal spends her days riding her motorcycle, rehabilitating injured deer on her farm in upstate New York. And she's also dedicated her, uh, her life to researching and tracking emerging diseases and viruses, especially zoonotic diseases such as avian influenza and anthropod-borne illnesses. She also has a keen interest in bioterrorism and chemical weapons, Dr. Patricia Doyle. How are you, Patricia? Oh, I'm doing just fine, Richard. I uh, like to have some springtime here, but uh, things are well. Good, good. Well, you were telling me earlier that you got on your motorbike on New Year's Day, so a little fresh air is always good for the soul. That's right, and it wasn't crisp air either. 50 degrees was just fine. Beautiful, beautiful. Listen, this story uh, on the uh, the dead bird mystery just takes on, if you'll excuse the uh, uh, the seeming contradiction, but this dead bird mystery takes on new life uh, practically every day with, with new reports of mass bird and fish die-offs uh, uh, around the world. But, but let's go back to, to New Year's Eve, the night before your fabled bike ride. Uh, and, of course, the next morning, uh, people in BB, Arkansas, were um, awoke to find red-winged blackbirds uh, all over the, uh, the streets and sidewalks and so forth. Now, the, the, uh, the number sort of has varied. Uh, I've, I've read accounts uh, of anywhere from 1,000 to 5,000. But what's the latest? I mean, originally we were told that uh, this was uh, a fireworks uh, that were set off that, that spooked these birds out of their roost and they, they, they crashed into houses and cars and so forth. What's, what's the latest, uh, Patricia? Well, Richard, um, something did spook the uh, sleeping birds uh, traditionally. The red-winged blackbirds, as normal uh, blackbirds also, um, they have very poor eyesight at night, and they, uh, they sleep in the wintertime. They roost in trees in large numbers. So something did spook the blackbirds. Uh, now, what, what I find curious is that we, we, we heard about so many die-offs, including this one, as being uh, the cause, fire, fireworks, firecrackers, what have you. But this is the first year, 2011, that we're really hearing of this. Um, now, according to the uh, reports, 
there were uh, between 3,000 and 5,000 birds, not just uh, blackbirds, but mostly blackbirds, red-winged blackbirds and blackbirds, and also some starlings that were uh, found dead. Um, but something spooked them, and I just uh, I sent you an email with a report from a weather radar, and they've, they've picked up something very strange on the radar and that's really fueling speculation. Um, this radar picture, they, they thought originally was the birds, but the uh, altitude was at over 1,500 feet to 1,600 feet. Those birds would, they would not be flying around at night. They were sleeping in the trees. So whatever was picked up, it was, it looked almost like one of those triangle ships that you've heard about, the UFOs. Uh, in any event, um, people should check the, uh, the weather radar out. And if you have a website, you might want to post the URL for them. I, I don't have it offhand. But it, it's interesting. It looks like a huge mass and uh, traveling at a certain altitude, around 1,500 feet. And um, the, there was no bad weather in the area, just this huge thing flying. And whatever was up there, something scared those birds to the point where they just tore out of the trees. And, uh, of course, they couldn't see, so they were hitting the uh, houses and mailboxes even some uh, flew into people. These birds were flying very, very low. So um, the radar image is not that of the birds. So th that, that might lend some credence, actually, to the... Uh, I mean, it sounded like a crazy idea at the time, but the idea yeah. that these birds may have uh, crashed into a, uh, into a UFO or perhaps yeah. some sort of an experimental plane well, yeah, using well, a, a cloaking device. Is because this incident, BB Arkansas, is only... 57 miles from that military, uh, kind of a clandestine base. It's called Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and it's where they have all the um, uh, chemical and biological stores that they uh, they bring there, and then they're uh, supposed to be de either storing some of the chemicals or uh, destroying it. And um, so that also fueled the speculation that maybe there was something up there uh, using a stealth or cloaking device that people didn't see or didn't hear. And, um, of course, they weren't paying attention. Uh, you know, they were, do I guess, doing the fireworks, watching fireworks, and then all of a sudden the birds came raining down. So I, I really, I'm, I'm at a loss. Richard, I, I don't know what to make of it. Uh, the the birds uh, die off in Sweden. Thousands of birds, same thing. Um, they they also attribute it to fireworks. But that, as I said, uh, one would think that there would have been a lot of die offs uh, on the uh, the millennium. <laughs> you know, in the year 2000 uh, came in. I'm sure that there were uh, spectacular displays. Uh, now, is it a question of well, this? This uh, Arkansas uh, incident took place, and a few days later, the drumfish, thousands, 100,000 drumfish, uh, washed up in a 20-mile stretch of the Arkansas River. Did that cause the media 
to um, look deeper into bird die-offs. And you know what they say, that when you look for something, you're probably going to find it. So the question is, is are we looking and finding? Um, is this a yearly occurrence? Uh, some scientists say, yeah, that this is nothing other than normal, that there are three to 500 uh, animal die-offs uh, a year. And um, so I, I really, I, I, I like everything very neatly in, in its place, and I don't know what to make of uh, the die-offs. Dr. Patricia Doyle is with us, the lab gal, retired doctor of veterinarian medicine. And uh, we're talking about these mystery uh, dead birds, mysterious dead birds uh, in Arkansas. But here's the thing, and you, you've, you've sent me this, uh, this, this list. We had, of course, it all starts New Year's Eve or, or New Year's Day, actually, with the, uh, the dead blackbirds in Arkansas. And then we have the, uh, the drumfish in the Arkansas River. And then we have um, uh, hundreds of thousands or a million uh, dead fish. They were spots and croaks in Chesapeake Bay in Maryland. Mm -hmm. Then we have the mysterious uh, die-off of fish in, uh, in um, coastal Brazil. Then we have 10,000 birds found dead in Manitoba. Dead birds and fish reported in St. Clair River here in Ontario. Thousands of birds fall from the sky in Chile. Eagles and birds falling from the sky in China. Thousands of doves dying in Italy. Japan on alert after uh, finding dead birds. New Zealand, hundreds of snapper, which is a fish, dead on the beaches. Uh, South Korea, South Africa, Sweden. You mentioned China. Sweden. Uh, the, in the UK, dead fish discovered in a canal uh, near um, Abergavenny. Uh, Vietnam. Florida, Illinois, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, North Carolina, Tennessee. The list goes on and on. It's as long as my arm. There's and a new one to add, Kansas City. Kansas City? Yeah. What's the latest on Kansas City? I haven't heard that one. Yeah, that one just came in. Uh, I don't have the particulars yet, but um, that, that's, uh, that one just, just came in about five minutes before we went on the air. So I'll have to. Um, Is it possible a cold, this cold down. snap that we had? I mean, it depends. I mean, you were you were out riding your your motorcycle on on New Year's Day. It was a 50, 50 degrees Fahrenheit, but I'm, right. we're hearing, you know, originally that uh, along with the firecrack firecracker theory that it was a, a cold snap. But that wouldn't explain why they're dying in places like uh, the Philippines or or uh, New, uh, New right. Zealand. Right. No, it doesn't explain. Um, every I've heard all types of explanations. And uh, I've come up with a few theories myself, even uh, to the point of um, uh, thinking about harp. Maybe uh, they were running a harp experiment. Oh, that's and, interesting. Yeah, well, uh, we'd have to find out if it was activated. And uh, I, I was looking at a map, and harp, I didn't know this. They is, uh, Really, they have uh, harp uh, auxiliary harp uh, locations all over the globe. Well, for those and one by me in Long Island. Oh, near Plum Island. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly where it's near. I guess Brookhaven. Well, for those that are not aware of harp, uh, Patricia, that yeah. we, we tend to uh, think of the uh, array of radio transmitters up in the Copper Valley in Alaska, and and harp. The acronym. Help me out here. Is it high? High, uh, high 
highly active auroral research project or something like that? Something like that, yes. I, I hadn't paid too much attention until I saw the map, and, um, and it does cover the globe, so uh, anything's possible. Well, these radio transmitters uh, are supposed to uh, blast the ionosphere right. uh, with um, some sort of electromagnetic activity, and ostensibly, this was created up in Alaska anyway. It's a joint project between, I think, the Navy and uh, uh, one of the universities and perhaps even a, a DARPA. Right. Uh, and it's to, to test uh, atmospheric conditions or perhaps even to, to uh, enhance uh, communications. Uh, for example, if they want to communicate, if the Navy wants to communicate with a nuclear sub, or a submarine that's, let's say, um, underwater, they can't communicate with it until it surfaces. So th apparently this has something to do with that as well. But, but some theorists are suggesting that they're actually using these harp installations uh, to manipulate the weather, to, mm -hmm. to change the, uh, the direction of the jet stream even, to create, right. my gosh, I've heard everything from create hurricanes, earthquakes. Uh, so you're suggesting that uh, these uh, different uh, harp um, frequencies. frequencies may be related to these bird and fish die-offs. Yeah, and, um, well, I can understand with the birds. A uh, uh, bird's uh, sense of navigation, uh, possibly that it, it, the, uh, it, when they run harp, that uh, uh, it may uh, affect the birds um, magnetically. I'm not sure, Richard. I just, uh, you know, I'm like everybody else. I'm trying to figure out what is causing this, and um, I don't know. No. Uh, now, what the what the necropsies show is that the birds had blunt they have died of blunt force trauma, which we would expect with the uh, way that they uh, flew into uh, buildings, even into mailboxes. Some birds even flew into people and then fell to the ground. So, of course, you're going to have blunt force trauma. Um, there were no signs of poisoning. And, of course, poisoning, uh, you know, that's a huge amount of birds in uh, Arkansas alone for poisoning. You're between 3,000 and 5,000 birds. So that would be out. And uh, I've heard everything, even speculation on the... Uh, the death of um, Jack Wheeler, the um, man who was uh, an advisor to President George Bush, Ronald Reagan, and uh, uh, Herbert Walker Bush. Oh, this is the the uh, the gentleman I've, that was found in the uh, the landfill site in his yes, wheelchair. Yes, I've, I've even heard that because uh, they were saying that uh, Mr. Wheeler was seen on videotape, and he was disoriented for about a day and a half to two days, as though... Uh, you know, that something had disoriented him. Just as we know, the birds were disoriented. So uh, I've had people emailing me with the, that type of speculation, although I, I, I don't think that there's anything to it because um, why would one man in uh, Delaware uh, experience disorientation and no one else around him? So I kind of discounted that. But the fact that people are bringing things up uh, as this 
indicates that uh, that no one really knows what's going on, and um, and the fireworks kind of uh, fits in. But the uh, die-off began before uh, New Year's came in. So I don't think people would have been doing the fireworks display at 1130. Of course, we're also hearing about uh, a fulfillment of some sort of biblical prophecy. I think there is something in Ezekiel or, or one of the books in the Old Testament about, uh, 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 you know, one of the signs of the end times, uh, birds falling from the sky or, right. or, or something to that effect. What do you think of that? I, I, I'm, I'm open. I'm very open because I don't know. So I, I'll look at each proposal, each theory, and, uh, you know, keep an open mind. And, um, you know, well, I, I, I don't to, think we'll ever know, to tell you the truth. I have to say, uh, Dr. Doyle, this is a first. When, when you are stumped, then we, we have a genuine mystery on our hand. How, how can we explain this massive bird die-off uh, all over the world, birds and fish, really, right. all happening in, a, in this cluster around the same time? Now, uh, you know, I know you've been uh, uh, suffering some ill health, uh, uh, but I'm guessing you would just love to be out there in the field as a as a, a doctor of veterinary medicine. Um, I mean, I can I can see you, you know, getting in there and 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 uh, maybe performing some necropsy. How do you what do you call an autopsy on a bird again? Necropsy. A necropsy. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing you'd you'd uh, like to get your hands in there and start performing some of these necropsies yourself. Or look over what they are doing. <laughs> yes. I wish maybe someone would, would pick up some of these birds, put them in a freezer, and somehow find a way to get them to you so they, that we can really find out what's going on. Because um, Well, I did have a friend that uh, would, would definitely do it, but he's no longer up, at, um, up in Albany. He, was, uh, he, he did a lot of the West Nile virus necropsies, Ward Stone. And a little controversy around uh, him, and so he's no longer there. Um, but, uh, well, what really stuns me, and what I would love to, to be involved in is the, uh, the bat, uh, the white nose syndrome. And that was my reason for trying to get the bat from uh, a local uh, store, was building a store, and uh, they were going to move bats, and I offered to take them. I still think that the uh, white, white nose syndrome of the bats that we'll discuss later, um, I still think that that could be uh, controlled with the ozone generators in some of the smaller caves, at least. But um, that's another time. Yes, it's been a, a, we've been talking about that for some time, this massive yeah. die-off of bats in caves yeah. uh, all over the United States and moving south, um, this white nosed syndrome. And uh, that is definitely one to keep an eye on because, uh, well, b birds are certainly an indicator species. Bats are an indicator yeah. species, but birds or bats also are very, very well, are very important to uh, agriculture and, and, and pest yeah, control and these sorts of things. So we'll leave that one to next time. But uh, right. uh, we are at a loss at the moment, I guess, then to explain yeah. this, uh, this dead bird mystery. But uh, Dr. Doyle, thank you for... Uh, for looking into it, and thanks for uh, connecting with us tonight. Well, thank you very much, Richard, and I hope you have a great year this year. May it be your best ever for you and the family, the twins. I trust that they had a wonderful Christmas. Indeed they did. 
I bet. Okay, good night. Good night. All right, here are a few well-known mentions about birds in reference to the end of the world from the Bible, and thanks to Kyle for emailing this from Ezekiel. The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, every creature that moves along the ground and all the people on the face of the earth will tremble at my presence. The mountains will be overturned, the cliffs will crumble, and every wall will fall to the ground. And from Zephaniah, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, I will sweep away both men and animals. I will sweep away the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. The wicked will have only heaps of rubble when I cut off man from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. When we come back, havoc in the Hudson Valley. One of the world's preeminent paranormal investigators discusses her investigation of the nightmarish occurrences at the house on Mayhem Road. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is a paranormal investigator and the author of more than 40 books on a wide range of subjects from angels to zombies and everything in between. She's written hundreds of articles for various publications and is a consulting editor for Fate magazine. She's had numerous uh, paranormal experiences from encounters with dark forces to mystical mystical experiences with beings of light. She's been a believer in the unseen realms since childhood. And uh, now I'm delighted to say that she can be heard on this program, The Conspiracy Show, the second Sunday of every month at 11.30 p.m. Eastern, and that starts tonight. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Richard, I'm doing well, and I'm so pleased to be back as a regular on your show. Yeah, I'm delighted as well. And uh, uh, I think we mentioned the last time we had you on not too long ago. It was actually on uh, our Sunday, December 26th show. You came on to talk about saints, and uh, we were sort of regaling. Our last conversation prior to that was uh, back in November, I think it was. You and I were uh, sitting on a, uh, on a cold rock in, uh, <laughs> in Central Park discussing vampires. That was great. And that will, of course, uh, be featured in an upcoming episode on the TV show, The Conspiracy Show, which, uh, as I mentioned earlier, debuts on uh, Friday, February the 18th on Vision TV. I'm not sure when the vampire episode will run. Uh, That'll be up to Vision, but it'll be uh, among the first 13. So I look forward to that. All right. The um, the other thing that we what we were on uh, in a cab or no we weren't in a cab we were um, our director was driving us up to Central Park we were down actually in a churchyard near Ground Zero we're on uh, on our way up to Central Park and and you were telling me about all the strange going on, goings on in Hudson Valley this is some sort of a strange portal uh, what do you mean by that what is a, a what do you mean by a portal. It appears that the Earth is dotted with these doorways to other dimensions, and I think they have existed all along. There are places where uh, human beings have put sacred sites like temples and stone circles and uh, stone chambers, places where they meet with gods and the entities, where people have unusual experiences, mystical experiences, or they go into the underworld. Uh, They seem to be places where the bend in space and time is... Uh, very small or or narrow, and we have these intersections with um, what physics would call parallel dimensions, and they're actually realms where mysterious creatures could live or 
uh, alien beings, um, unknown entities, even the mysterious uh, creatures that, that we have. And uh, if people happen to live in these zones, and some of them can be rather large in size, um, they are often plagued with continual paranormal phenomena, and some of it can be rather violent. The Hudson Valley seems to have this history. It's had UFO activity, all sorts of um, ghost apparitional strange phenomena, mysterious entity uh, activity that's been documented um, at, at least as long as uh, Europeans have, have been on this continent. Okay, so Putnam County in New York falls within Hudson Valley and within this portal. So tell me about this house on the very aptly named Mayhem Road that uh, you investigated. Who owned this house and what were they experiencing? Well, the, the couple are still there. They have their house up for sale now because they just can't take it anymore. Uh, and uh, they have uh, poltergeist phenomena, uh, mysterious lights, um, things that go wrong in the house all the time, shadow people. Um, they're plagued by nightmares, uh, entities that seem to walk around on the land, mysterious creatures like mystery cats. Uh, this is an area that's very familiar to me uh, from my investigations over a long period of time, and uh, I've been specializing in portal research now with uh, ufologist Phil Imbrogno, and uh, he's also well acquainted with this area as heavily haunted. People buy these houses, they, they think they're um, you know beautiful locations, and they are. They're gorgeous houses and gorgeous properties. Uh, and when they move in, they find that uh, there's something there before them. Uh, and and uh, it's not human, it's not visible, but it considers the place theirs, and they're not welcome. So this uh, this couple, and you call them uh, Lynn and Jim, which isn't their, aren't their real names, and, and it's actually called Mayhem Road, is that true? Well, that's just what we named it, actually, ah, okay. um, uh, because uh, it's private property. They are trying to sell the place. And uh, so we wanted to protect their identity and still tell the case. Right. Um, it, it does have a rather strange name, the actual road, but Mayhem Road really describes the, the sort of thing that goes on there all the time. And they would come home, uh, my understanding is, they would come home and find that uh, someone had turned up the heat to like 90 degrees in the place and, and things like that? The, the heat would go haywire. There would be uh, foul uh, smells uh, coming out of all the closets, footsteps in the middle of the night, strange noises down in the basement. Uh, the wife got locked in the basement once by herself. She went down to do the laundry. The door slammed shut. She was locked in the basement. Uh, there's no explanation for the, the door being locked. The fire alarm would go, uh, smoke alarms would go off all the time in the middle of the night, even when they were disconnected. My word. And, uh, and, and missing objects? They'd be uh, looking for, uh, they'd lose uh, wedding rings and glasses, uh, reading glasses and so forth? That's a very common poltergeist kind of phenomena uh, where uh, people think they've kind of misplaced something, but there seems to be something else moving things around. And uh, the, the husband had his reading glasses go missing. They turned up in a tree. Uh, outside of his office at home. Uh, his wedding ring was gone. I just had dinner with uh, the wife a couple of nights ago and uh, to get the update, and now it's taken his bathrobe. It just disappeared out of the closet. 
Now, the, perhaps most disturbing of all, well, I don't know how you uh, uh, sort of rank these, but um, they were hearing strange... I mean, I know they had, a, they had a large dog, like a mastiff, which is a huge dog, but, uh, but they also heard these growling noises. Now, where did they hear these growling noises? Usually at night. Uh, activity has gone on in this house day and night, but it always got worse at night. And uh, they would be uh, in their bedroom, and these growling sounds would come from the hall outside the bedroom uh, or elsewhere in the house and, and sound like some sort of unknown animal in the house. And they know it wasn't their dog Lucy, right? The dog Lucy would be in the bedroom with them. Oh, my Lord. How did the dog react to all of this? The dog was very agitated uh, all the time, uh, just acting like uh, there was something uh, present you know, animals do see the unseen, and they're often fearful of um, negative phenomena. And uh, the poor dog was in a constant state of, uh, of fright and agitation, uh, uh, like there was something around all the time, and, and uh, she could never escape it. And uh, one of the most, uh, another one of the more, more disturbing events, I think this happened to Lynn. Was she out walking on the property. It's about 20 acres, I think, and uh, she saw some sort of a, a figure, like a man in black or something, and she, she tried to go up to this person? She had frequent sightings of a dark shadow person that appeared to be a man in a black coat and hat walking outside of the property. He would go by the, the front window all the time, and uh, one day when she went out to retrieve an object from her car, uh, she saw this man walking in the property and back. They uh, they have about 20 acres behind them, and it kind of goes down some very gentle hillsides. And her, she was just kind of fed up at that point. She really wanted to get to the bottom of things, so she took a- off after this figure. And um, there was a, it was kind of a stormy um, time, you know, storm brewing in the sky, and she. Uh, she had an apparition of her father, saw an apparition of her father, and um, heard a voice in her head telling her to go immediately back to the house. It seemed to be connected with this dark figure, and uh, she was nearly seriously injured by a lightning strike from this storm. And it, it seems to be connected to the appearance of this mysterious dark figure. Well, later in the story, uh, we'll find out there were other uh, uh, sort of men in black type of figures surrounding this story. But when we come back, Rosemary, I want to pick it up where where, where you came into the uh, the picture. I believe you did an investigation, and uh, uh, I'm not sure if you took Frank's box, the uh, this device that allows sort of live two-way conversation conversations between this world and the hereafter, but uh, you'll fill us in on that. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, paranormal investigator, discussing the uh, strange goings-on in Putnam County in a house right in the midst of the Hudson Valley uh, corridor where uh, many people believe there is some sort of a portal there between this world and some parallel reality. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. 
This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Coming up after midnight Eastern Standard, we'll uh, speak with Dave McGowan, founder of the Center for an Informed America, an acclaimed uh, and controversial writer, to talk about his book, Program to Kill. And it's a rather uh, fresh approach or interesting uh, take on some of America's more notorious serial killers and whether there may be more to them than uh, than meets the eye. Are we talking Manchurian candidates, perhaps? There's a word we've heard, or a phrase we've heard a number of times on this program in the uh, the last couple of weeks, whether it's with regards to Tiger Woods or Julian Assange. And uh, uh, speaking of which... Nelson Thal will be uh, here to talk about perhaps another Manchurian candidate, and that is the trigger man in this uh, Tucson, Arizona killing. Uh, 20 people injured, uh, six dead. Uh, the apparent target was Arizona Representative Gabriel Giffords. Uh, she seems to have pulled through. Uh, but uh, Nelson Thal, media scientist, says that uh, the actual target was a, um, a top federal judge, John McCarthy Roll. And uh, the reason for that, well, it may have something to do with his objection to something that was coming out of the Obama administration, a very serious allegation, and we'll investigate in just a few moments. Right now, Rosemary Ellen Guiley stays with us uh, discussing her investigation of a house in Putnam County, New York, right in the Hudson Valley portal, where some very strange things go on, paranormal, supernatural, UFO uh, activity. Uh, so, Rosemary, at what point did you actually uh, visit this house in Putnam County? Phil and I became involved in investigating the property in December 2009, and the couple had been in the house about two years by then and were really at their wit's end. In fact, the, the wife was having severe stress problems, and even her hair was falling out. Uh, and they had tried uh, a number of groups and remedies, and nothing was working. Uh, we did take our um, Frank's box, our mini box, onto the property. We had some communication with um, at least some of the entities present. We believe that multiple entities were using this opening to come and go. Uh, and they were trickster in nature. You know, it's like, who are you? And we'd get answers like devil and the dead and um, that um, they didn't like the people there. They didn't like the dog. Uh, and very typical of, of communication in a hostile, um, haunted environment. Um, we did tell the couple that um, the house fit the pattern that we had seen in the area and uh, that we considered the area to be one of these portal places where uh, being some other dimensions seemed to be able to come into this environment pretty easily. And while activity might be dampened, uh, it would probably never go away permanently. And um, this assessment has been corroborated uh, by a Qigong master who came in after us and performed some exorcisms. He said there were at least 15 entities on the property. And because the land itself was open, i.e. it was a portal, um, they would never really go away altogether. What... uh what sort of communications were you receiving uh, over Frank's box? Wasn't there something to do with their dog, Lucy? Yes, and uh, very unfortunate. Um, the first time we were there with, with the box, um, the, uh, a, a communicator called out the dog's name, which is Lucy. 
And uh, at the end of the very first session, we said, uh, does anyone have any, any additional messages for us, the way we usually end things? And a voice uh, said, Lucy, Lucy, kind of drawing out the name, uh, followed by, she can go now. And we, we couldn't figure out what that meant. Um, and several months later, uh, Lucy was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer. Uh, and uh, she's still uh, still alive, but the prognosis is, is not good. We don't know um, whether the, it was a warning uh, delivered via the box or whether it was a threat. Um, people and animals who are in these heavily haunted areas frequently have serious health issues. Uh, and so we don't really know uh, whether um, it's, it's kind of hard to think that, you know, if the entities didn't like the dog, did they get rid of it, or whether they were just delivering uh, a message about something that was going to happen anyway. But the fact remains that people do have, people and animals do have health problems in these areas. Now, is uh, given that this is this Putnam County uh, location is is within the the Hudson Valley area you're describing as uh, experiencing a lot of the strange paranormal supernatural activity, I'm guessing this couple are not alone. I mean, have are are their neighbors also experiencing uh, nightmarish uh, occurrences? Well, they they did uh, find, and because uh, a lot of these properties are on rather large parcels of land, because it is you know, kind of in the country, sometimes you're not real close to your neighbors, but it turned out that uh, the people who were nearby to them were having similar problems. And an- another way that, that uh, issues erupt in these areas is uh, with domestic problems, you know, people arguing, fighting. Um, the, the couple was, this other couple was having a lot of serious problems, and uh, the wife had even fired a gun at the husband. Uh, marriages break up, accidents happen. Um, these seem to be rather common in these areas, too. And the thing is that uh, people don't often associate them with um, some sort of um, negative aspects to the land itself. Um, people off- will often chalk things up to, well, they just had a run of bad luck or uh, their relationships broke up or their health um, went into a crisis. But when you look at patterns of things in these areas, it's kind of hard to explain them away. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is uh, with us. She is the author of over 40 books on uh, paranormal, supernatural, uh, metaphysical uh, subject matter. We're discussing the uh, the house on Mayhem Road in Putnam County. Now, uh, you you mentioned in the story that uh, that um, there were. Lynn and Jim would find piles of, of white, uncooked rice all over the house. What was that all about? Well, we called it the rice poltergeist, and this seemed to be just another trickster sort of thing that goes on in areas like this, um, which seems to have the purpose of annoying people. They would open up cupboards, and rice would spill out. Um, the husband once went to, to the gym, and when he opened up his gym bag... It was full of rice. Uh, They would find piles of rice on the furniture and on the floor. And um, Lynn would would even stop keeping rice in the house. She couldn't account for where is it coming from. Um, And, of course, you know, piles of rice there, um, you can't explain them away. 
Um, it's not like if you have no rice in the house, you can't say, well, it's mice piling things up. Um, and it's very annoying to clean up. And I even had uh, a rice episode myself. Sometimes uh, investigators start experiencing the phenomena too. And uh, I went to a store one day, parked my car in a remote part of the parking lot, and when I came out, there was a vehicle parked uh, next to mine. I'd only been inside about 15 minutes. Uh, And a huge pile of rice was piled up against the tire. Um, And it wasn't a grocery store. It's, It's... how do you explain that? You know, people don't drive around with bags of rice to just uh, not throw outside of the car because it hadn't been thrown. It had been very neatly piled up against the tire. Well, now, uh, whatever has been doing this seems to have gotten tired of the rice, and it's doing things to dog kibbles. Now, there are dog kibbles in the house, of course, because of the dog, but the dog is not putting its kibbles under their pillows, their bedroom pillows. It's not piling its kibbles uh, on the furniture or on the kitchen counter. Um, so it's, it's doing the same sort of thing, which just switched its tactic a bit. Well, these things tend to follow you around too, Rosemary, so uh, you really need to, uh, to be careful on, uh, on future investigations. I know you are. You take every precaution. Uh, listen, I'm so pleased that you're going to, uh, uh, to uh, rejoin us as a regular feature on the program the second Sunday of every month. And so we forward. We look forward to, uh, to having you on uh, in uh, in February and uh, hearing all about your your next investigation. Always some good cases going on, Richard. And uh, thank you very much uh, for um, uh, having me on the show and uh, being a regular again. I really enjoy it. Can't wait. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and her website is visionaryliving.com, www.visionaryliving.com. Nelson Thal, media scientist, will uh, give us the lowdown, his take on the uh, shooting rampage in Arizona. When the Conspiracy Show returns, stay with us. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Next week on the program... Jordan Maxwell will be uh, with us off the top of the show at 11 o'clock. That's Sunday, Jan 16th, Jordan Maxwell. And uh, in just about five minutes' uh, time, we'll be joined by Dave McGowan, the founder of the Center for an Informed America, an acclaimed and controversial writer, and his book, I think it came out in 2007, a program to kill the politics of serial killer. Uh, serial killers. Uh, right now, uh, Nelson Thal, media scientist, uh, joins us. Nelson, how are you? Very good, very good. Lots of action going on, Richard. Always, always something going on, whether it's birds flying out of the sky, falling out of the sky. Let me get you a quick take on that. Do you think there's anything biblical there? Everything resonates on multiple levels, uh, from the top down through a pyramid, and certainly on a certain level there is a connection with other things, absolutely. All right, now, let's, uh, let's dial let's back. Stick to, it's been exciting what's been happening. The folks who brought you 9-11 have done it again, Richard. Well, I want to tread lightly on this one, because there's some serious allegations attached to this one. Uh, Courtesy and, of the 9-11 plotters. Well, let's dial back to Saturday, and a lot of us were tuned into CNN uh, when a, a breaking report came out of Tucson, Arizona. And uh, there was a, a shooting rampage in a Safeway there. Uh, ostensibly, the target was a, a newly elected uh, representative, uh, Gabriel Giffords, who was holding her... Uh, sort of uh, 
I don't know, what, what did she call them again on her Twitter? She was referring to them as a sort of a, 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 a council on the corner or something uh, where, where constituents could gather and, uh, and, and, and meet with her. And uh, there were 20 people shot, six dead, and among the mortally wounded was a top federal U.S. judge by the name of John McCarthy Rowell. And according to an intelligence uh, report, and you can tell us about the author of this report, uh, this is from the Foreign Intelligence Service, SVR, that this U.S. federal judge for the state of Arizona was in fact the victim of an assassination plot, that, the, that he was the real target, not the state representative Gabriel Giffords. Is that it in a nutshell? Well, I think, Richard, um, that you'll recall this group is the same group that um, murdered Dr. Kelly, the weapons of mass destruction expert. And um, Michael Shrimpton, who was an MI5 lawyer, came on and explained that with Skolnick on a show and um, about the, uh, how the murder of Dr. Kelly and the wet team. And this was a Manchurian candidate doing their wet team work as well, once again. And it's really an ongoing part of this new Roman Empire continued takedown of America, which we've been watching and reporting on for a number of months and years. So again, we have the the specter of this uh, supposed lone crazed gunman, uh, suicidal, uh, psychotic Jared Loeffner, as a he's man being with described. Three names, and one of them is Lee. Jared Lee Loeffner, yes, they oh, always wow. have three I wonder names. that. Very, very obvious. Okay, and he's been described as anti-government, and he left, uh, you know, some, uh, some... All on the heels. We've got all on the heels of the murder of a federal judge and a member of U.S. Congress. We've got the murder of one of the most powerful members of the Pentagon, namely John P. Wheeler, who on December 31st was found in a garbage dump. Okay, but yeah, we, I mean, maybe we should have you back on to talk about Wheeler, but let's just talk a minute for a minute about John McCarthy Rowell. Now, among he was among the six dead, and of course, the uh, another uh, one of the the victims uh, was um, this nine year old uh, girl uh, who was the granddaughter of former uh, Philadelphia Phillies uh, manager from the Major League Baseball team um, uh, Dallas Green, his granddaughter. Terrible, terrible situation. Um, so. What's the suggestion here that... that uh, well, the assassination doesn't end with the apprehension of a patsy, but becomes a full-scale psychological operation to, again, once again, change the American mindset. Okay, so why was this judge the actual uh, intended uh, target? Why was he being targeted? Well, uh, he's part of the of the of the old empire and uh, we've got a new old empire rising taking over the old empire and as it does it liquidates and takes out the top levels powerful guys in the old empire pyramid structure okay i'm just Remember reading this they took out eugene malov of fire from ice the man who um wrote to President Clinton saying that cold fusion exists, the French are going to use it, right. other nations are going to use it, we'll fall behind. Uh, he was murdered. How did they stage that? They staged a convenience store. Okay. Remember? Yes. Okay, but here's the thing. The reading, the, the, the reports that I... staged assassination. Okay, but the reports that I'm... Manchurian candidates. Go, hang on, the, Nelson, hold it, hold it. The reports that I'm reading are that, that uh, Mac, the, this John McCarthy role wasn't even scheduled to be at the Safeway. He just happened to wander over there after attending church uh, uh, to speak with uh, Gabriel Giffords. 
And, uh, I mean, she was apparently the target. She was shot at point-blank range in the head. Um, So I'm just confused as to why. Anytime you get a federal judge and a U.S. congresswoman uh, murdered in one spot, uh, and the heels of the a thing like Wheeler, another, another, you mm. start to connect the dots and see the death list. Okay. Right? Now, what this ruling uh, that uh, this judge made, apparently 72 hours uh, prior, he made a, a, a critical ruling against the Obama administration's plan to begin the confiscation of their citizens' private retirement and banking accounts yeah. in order to stave off the, uh, the nation's imminent economic collapse. Uh, well, what can you tell us about that? What was that well, ruling all about? Basically, he's interfering with the power of the executive order. He's standing in the way of the presidency. <laughs> but certainly this is an example. The NWO has its Othello in the, home, in the White House, and his job is to pave the way for these operations of the Roman Inquisition that has returned. Okay. And Are you with me? I I am. Uh, I just. I'm just wondering. It just seems like All a bit of a. This is planned for the purpose of keeping control with commotion and emotion, planned by the world government, aka NWO, aka the new old Roman system. So it's a major military operation of that world government. So this judge, this federal judge, was a threat um, uh, to the the new world order. Exactly. Okay. What can you tell me about? Um, and uh, let's face it, Wheeler is as well. Let's not let's not uh, let's not forget about the deathless here. Wheeler and the congresswoman and a federal judge. Kennedy was shot within forty yards of the sheriff's desk at high noon in Dallas. That showed you how powerful they were. All right. Well, Nelson, Nelson, we'll we'll follow this one with uh, interest. And again, uh, the uh, the story being reported. Uh, by the a foreign intelligence service called SVR, and this is these are reports that are also circulating in the Kremlin that U.S. federal judge for the state of Arizona was in fact assassinated 72 72 hours after he made a, a critical ruling against the Obama administration's plan to uh, confiscate citizens' private retirement and banking accounts. And, uh, and Richard Christine Green was born on 9/11. Ah, this uh, the, the granddaughter, this uh, nine-year-old victim of the shooting. Bohemian Grove was supposed to do their child sacrifices in private. It seems now they're doing it in public. My word. Nelson Thal, we can hear him uh, uh, on... Bloomandsteel.com, Shock Talk. Shock Talk with Bloom and Steel. Always a pleasure, Nelson. Talk Wonderful. soon. Wonderful. Thanks, Rich. All right. When we come back, Program to Kill, the politics of serial killers. We deal in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You dress like the tube. You ate like the tube. You raise your children like the tube. You even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. So turn off your television sets. Turn them off now. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of the sentence I'm speaking to you now. Turn them off. Brainwashed in our childhood. Brainwashed by the school. Brainwashed by our teachers. And brainwashed by all the rules. Brainwashed by our leaders. By our kings and Brainwashed in the open and brainwashed behind the scenes. Love. 
From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Program to Kill, the politics of serial murder. Not just another sensationalized book about serial killers. McGowan, author of Derailing Democracy, The America the Media Don't Want You to See, and Understanding the F-Word, American Fascism and the Politics of Illusion, ties serial murders, programmed assassins, satanic cults, and child pornography and prostitution to a fascist, political, and military conspiracy of frightening scope. A great pleasure to have Dave McGowan on The Conspiracy Show. Hello, David. Hey, how are you doing? It's great to talk to you again. Good to, good to talk to you again. How's that uh, that uh, wonderful uh, Doberman of yours? Uh, <laughs> actually, she's doing well. Uh, other than the fact that she almost broke her leg last month, and we had to take her and get her uh, stitched up. But, ah. uh, I was just going to mention, actually, that I had thought that she was asleep for the night, but about 10 minutes ago she got up and started pacing around the room, so around the house, rather. so I'm I'm just hoping that she doesn't decide to uh, supply any uh, background sound effects for us. That's all right, that's all right. And uh, I, I, um, I mentioned the dog. I had a, a, the great pleasure of meeting you and your wonderful bride, and uh, and, and Chloe, I believe, is uh, the, the dog's name. Uh, we were up in... Uh, in your part of the uh, the country, uh, filming uh, the, an episode on abiotic oil for the uh, the upcoming uh, TV series, and uh, that's when we first uh, got acquainted. And with you, your wife, and your dog, so uh, it's good to talk to you again. This is not an easy book to read, uh, uh, programmed uh, to kill uh, uh, David, and I'm guessing it must have been uh, as equally difficult to write when you're even you're talking about uh, not only serial killers but. Uh, 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 organized uh, child pornography rings and, uh, and and prostitution and so forth. How do you, I mean, that must make you a very cynical individual. It was a very, it was a very dark and difficult journey, I've got to say. And um, a lot of the stuff in there was stuff that I, at one time, uh, did not give any, any uh, credibility to, you know, whatsoever. And, uh, it was it was a very eye opening uh, book to research and write, definitely, and a very difficult one, a very difficult journey, and uh, yeah, it lasted for uh, probably a few years, a good few years, and it's uh, it was kind of kind of nice to step away from it, you know, but but you can never really step away from it. I mean, you know, you can't you can't. Uh, I don't know. It's a rabbit hole that that I that I kind of wonder whether you know wh- whether I should have gone down because uh, you know w- w- once learned you can't you can't you can't ever walk away from it. You can't ever you know. No, no. Once it. once and, your uh, eyes are open to this horrific nightmarish scenario, you you can never go back. Um, yeah, and then the question you know the question becomes you know it. it if we are power, you know, are we powerless to, to really do anything about this, and, and if so, you know, uh, is, is it better not to know? Is it better not to know than to, than to know and be powerless to really to really take much action, uh, you know, to do anything about it? Because uh, it is it is very very dark terrain, um, definitely, and and you know, most of my writing, I'm pretty well known for having a very a very dark sense of humor and, and injecting a lot of uh, 
a lot of dark humor into my writing, um, you know, under the philosophy that, uh, you know, a spoonful of sugar makes <laughs> medicine go down or whatever it is. But, uh, There's not enough sugar one, in Christendom to, uh, to make this one go down. Yeah, this this one, not so much so. I mean, it, it, was, it was just a, such a dark, unpleasant uh, path that, uh, yeah, you know, the humor <laughs> just didn't really seem... So, yeah, it's a very dark journey. It's a very tough read, um, you know, and, um, but I think a worthwhile one. Program to but. Kill the Politics of Serial Murder. David McGowan uh, is with us on the website, the Center for an Informed America. Uh, well, uh, thankfully, uh, David, you spared us, you know, the, the, a lot of the gruesome details, and you just focus on some of the, you know, the connections and the evidence that connects well we have this in in society the the specter of the the crazed lone gunman uh who always um tends to have three names and of course the latest you have Jared Lee Lofner who's been uh, tied to the uh, the shooting rampage in Tucson which uh took the life of this uh well six people including this uh, 9-year-old uh, little girl uh and also a top federal U.S. judge. I just spoke with a media scientist who believes, in fact, the, the, the federal judge was the actual target, uh, and the others were just, it was all sort of a cover. But, I've uh, heard that, but I've also heard that the, the judge uh, supposedly didn't even know that he was going to be in attendance till like an hour before, and I would think this, you know, was, was definitely planned out quite in advance of that. But I, did you, by the way, did you ever take note of the... That little girl's uh, birthday? September 11th, 2001, yes. I mean, isn't that bizarre? Sort of the, uh, what, the fingerprints of the, the numerology of, uh, of the New World Order at work here or something like that? I don't know. It's pretty bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's, it is. Uh, yeah, you know. Um, but talk to me yeah. about the, the specter of the, you know, we always hear about the lone gunman, and there's usually, you know, they find a suicide note and some some ranting and raving on a, on a, on a Facebook page. Uh, this person always appears to have been a bit of a social outcast. And, and uh, uh, to what extent... Has is that reality been programmed for us? I guess to what extent are these lone gunmen uh, something entirely different? Uh, I you know I the book didn't doesn't really get into uh, too much of you know the school and workplace shooting type you know uh, that, that's more of a uh, a little more of a modern phenomenon. It wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't that big a thing <laughs> when I was researching and writing the book, but. Uh, you know everything. Everything that's in the book, uh, from from everything that I've, uh, you know, and I have researched, you know, some of these cases in uh, in the years because the book's been out since I think what two thousand seven, two thousand five, two thousand five. Published okay. and the research was done like from probably two thousand two to two thousand four or something like that. Um, but since then, I, I've looked into a number of the, uh, you know, the the high profile. Uh, you know, spree spree shootings or whatever it is you want to call them, and they they very much uh, fit the same pattern patterns as uh, you know the, the serial killer cases that are covered in the book. Right, uh, Rom- yeah, the, the Night Stalker, yeah. for example, uh, uh, Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. Uh, all of these sort of pointing back, I guess, the origin, the creation of these serial uh, killers, uh, going back really to Nazi Germany. Yeah, I mean, you find you find a lot of you, 
I mean, you find a lot of uh, unusual threads through all these stories. You know, you find uh, occultism, you find Nazism, you find uh, like organized pedophilia, you find um, uh, mind control, you know, or indications of it. You find, you know, like high-level government connections that... that uh, that you would never expect to find, you know, <laughs> that uh, some of these people just have some very curious, you know, connections or, or family backgrounds, you know, and, yeah, you, you, you just find, uh, yeah, you find those, those same threads uh, interwoven through, through all of these stories. Uh, they recur over and over, you know. So the serial killer, the... The, um, the ringleaders in these child prostitution rings or, or pedof- pedophile rings are, in fact, created uh, Manchurian candidates. But uh, to what end, we'll uh, discuss further with Dave McGowan, author of Program to Kill, The Politics of Serial Killers, when The Conspiracy Show returns. Don't go away. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Dave McGowan, author of Program to Kill. We go back to the uh, the early to mid-80s, uh, uh, David, and um, the, uh, the the infamous Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. Uh, great case in point, because he, like, like many of these uh, serial killers, uh, had this interest in uh, the occult and... Um, also, an interesting connection, early on in his life, uh, he hooked up with a, um, well, it was his cousin, I guess. He, he, he spent a great deal of time with his cousin, Mike, who was with special forces uh, in Vietnam. And, yeah. uh, I mean, there's an interesting connection there. Explain. Uh, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he was mentored, so to speak, by an older cousin who had... Uh, yeah, served as as you said as a special forces op in uh, Vietnam, and he had apparently uh, cataloged all of his <laughs> atrocities over there, and it had actually photographed uh, his victims, so to speak, that that uh, you know were were uh, just horrendously murdered and you know mutilated and uh, dismembered and beheaded and you know uh, put on graphic you know these ghoulish displays, and, you know, and, um, basically, which is, uh, you know, part and parcel of the uh, Phoenix program. I mean, it was a torture and terror operation run by the CIA over there that was designed to scare the, the, uh, scare the people of Vietnam into compliance with U.S. demands by, by not, just, not just committing targeted assassinations, but by committing them in the most gruesome, ghoulish, uh, way and leaving the victims, uh, you know, just degraded in, in these, these hideous, uh, grotesque, uh, macabre displays. And, uh, and that's exactly, that was exactly what, what apparently what, uh, Richard Ramirez's cousin, uh, was involved in. And, and he took graphic photos, which he, which he freely shared with, <laughs> with his cousin and, you know, uh, very, and taught him how to use various weapons and, and whatnot. And, uh, and yeah, and 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 there's there's definitely a a uh, there's definitely a, a a clear connection there, and and he's not the only one. Arthur Shawcross, who uh, a uh, lesser known serial killer, uh, was was also apparently a part of the Phoenix program, 
uh, and I think uh, I think there was a couple other connections as well. It's, it's been a while since I've done this research. Like I said, I, I've stepped away from it into other areas, so I don't necessarily remember all the uh, the minutia. But basically, um, you know, to me, the serial killer phenomenon, which really which really began uh, pretty much like uh, in the early '70s. Uh, was sort of a homecoming for the for the Phoenix program. It was sort of the Phoenix program brought home, and because what these people do is, is very much uh, the same the same type of, uh, of brutal ritualistic crimes that were committed in Vietnam under the rubric of the Phoenix program, and, and they're for the very same reason to terrorize the population. You know, I mean, it's what I uh, it's what I call control through fear. You know, you, you scare the people enough, they're going to come running to uh, Big Brother to protect them. And serial killers are very, very scary because the mythos uh, of the serial killer is that it can be anyone. I mean, it could be anyone. You know, it could it could be a coworker, it could be a, a neighbor, it could be a family member. You know, um, lurking. You know, it, you, you never know. You know, it, they can strike anywhere. They can strike anyone for, for for any reason. You know, it's entirely random, and you know, and all this and that, and you know, it, it makes people feel very vulnerable. And uh, you know, and 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 really, there's a there's a there's a continuum between that and and what well, and terrorism of today, which is which is kind of the same thing on a, on an international scale. <laughs> you know, it's just a way to to. Uh, to terrorize the people into submission. Mass you know, trauma. Submitting to the agenda that they want to push on us. It's mass trauma. It's mass trauma. Yeah, it's 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 mind control in a sense, uh, trauma-based mind control on a society-wide level is what it is. Yeah. Right. And I mean, we I mean we're, there's, and, there's multiple layers of mind control involved because I mean, you've got the individual actors Many of whom appear to be operating under mind control, but then on the on the larger scale, the entire operation is sort of a society wide. Sure, I mean we're we're standing uh, back mind as control operation. We're standing back as uh, as witnesses uh, experiencing the trauma, and as you say, uh, this uh, induces uh, such fear that we're willing to cede uh, you know personal liberties uh, for a little bit of security. Uh, um, and but for the for the for the the crazed lone gunman or the uh, the bom- the mad bomber like Ted Kaczynski, um, who are supposedly the perpetrators, uh, they themselves have been subjected to uh, a very concentrated uh, a, a trauma uh, in order to um, uh, to form some uh, of a, a disassociative uh, disorder in them, so that their minds have been fractured and compartmentalized, so they don't even know, you know, one of those personalities doesn't know what the other is doing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, and, and it's really become, uh, it, it's really just become ridiculously pervasive, you know, and the, the book is, is uh, I mean, serial killers almost seem <laughs> Kind of antiquated in comparison because you know I mean since you know the serial killers did a pretty good job for you know for for a couple few decades, but uh, the spree killers now you know the Virginia Tech killers and, and the Fort Hood and the Tucson shooters and and uh, and the quote unquote terrorist attacks you know all of which are pretty much the same thing you know they're all they're, they're, it's just amplified up to the next level. 
And uh, I mean, they're just coming at us so fast now that I mean, there's, there's like not no no recovery time. You know, it's like they they want to keep the uh, the population like permanently traumatized. You know, and just uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely um, it's definitely picked up pace. You know, <laughs> since the book came out, um, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's already time for a part two. You know. Well, listen. When uh, we come back, uh, uh, let's. Uh, talk a little bit about what you've uncovered in terms of uh, CIA connections to some of these satanic or occult groups which are recruiting these uh, these future uh, serial killers, mad bombers, etc. And uh, whether or not these satanic cults, in fact, are the ones that are... Uh, you know, fracturing these uh, these uh, vulnerable minds and, and churning out these crazed killers. Back with Dave McGowan here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak to Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free in Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Acclaimed, always controversial writer, researcher Dave McGowan, my guest, also the author of Derailing Democracy, the America the media don't want you to see. And uh, we're discussing Program to Kill, the politics of serial killer. Dave, talk to me about the, uh, the connection uh, between missing children, satanic cults, and the CIA. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, uh, um, basically, I mean, to me, it kind of all revolves... Uh, a lot of it around the whole notion of mind control, which which I believe is is very pervasive out there. Uh, I, I think it runs rampant in uh, professional athletics uh, in Hollywood in uh, Washington. But anyway, uh, uh, and in my view, and I know that there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of contrary points of view on the issue of mind control, and the, the whole subject is uh, you know rather kind of, you know, turns a lot of people off. Uh, it seems, it seems The whole notion seems a little outrageous to people, but um, from, my, from, from all the research that I've done and, and people that I've talked to and whatnot, it's my understanding that mind control is largely a trauma-based phenomenon. Um, and it's most effective if it, the earlier in life it's administered, the more effective it is. And, and the intent is to, to, to split the personality, to fragment the personality, as, as you indicated, I think, on the last uh, segment. Um, to create, to deliberately create what used to be called multiple personality disorder and is now known as dissociative identity disorder, which is basically a condition of having multiple ter- personalities living within the same body, um, which, which even that is, is hotly disputed by some people. But anyway, uh, the, 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 you know, the goal is to create, um, to create multiple personalities to then program 
some of those per- personalities that are created so that they can be controlled uh, beyond, you know, without the knowledge of the core personality to basically create to to fracture someone to such an extent that you can control some of their alters, uh, you know, beyond w- without their without their conscious awareness, um, and that works best uh, by early childhood trauma. Uh, you know, the younger the better. And there's nothing, you know, nothing that creates more trauma <laughs> for kids, as it turns out, than what has been dubbed uh, satanic ritual abuse, which is sort of uh, cult-based, just horrific uh, physical and sexual abuse of, of children. It often involves uh, child prostitution, the production of child pornography, and uh, international trade of children, and just, you know, all kinds of... Uh, unsavory uh, acts against children and and so there's sort of a, there's, there's, there's definitely an, a natural there, there's just a, a natural relationship that exists there between the intelligence agencies and the quote-unquote satanic cults um, for that for that purpose and for other purposes and I mean even beyond that I, I think they, that uh, uh, the intelligence services have, have long been been sort of based in uh, or, or uh, at, at the highest level, sort of overseen by by the various occult-based secret societies. So you know, I, I think that there's there's a cult. The, the the CIA and various other intelligence agencies are, are sort of occult-based at their core, anyway, and uh, and so and a lot of and and sort of. Uh, you know, cult groups uh, in many cases were created by the intelligence agencies, and they are utilized, you know, for for that purpose as well as many, as various other criminal uh, underground activities. I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, you did absolutely. I, I was also thinking of um, a former FBI field agent, Ted Gunderson, who uh, who who attempted to blow the lid off a lot of these organized child abduction uh, uh, rings uh, as well. And um, yeah, I've talked to a number of uh, alleged mind control. I say alleged because you know you you can never tell uh, whether someone is uh, is is uh, legitimately uh, a mind control victim or whether they're delusional. Uh, I, I mean, when they're when I when I speak to them, they they seem very uh, sincere. But who really knows what's going on? But uh, I, I I remember a conversation with um, one in particular, uh, and um, she. Uh, she was ritualistically abused, uh, starting at a very young age, and she has memories. And when we when we get into recovered memory, that's another dicey area. But she has very distinct memory uh, memories uh, with incredible detail uh, about you know again abducted as a child, uh, taken into these uh, these child sex rings where she was abused by some and I will not mention names, but some very prominent political figures. She men- mentioned dates locations in Washington, D.C., and some of the names, I mean, we would all know the names. My word, she, uh, she, was, uh, she claimed that she was abused in the White House. Again, I won't mention the, uh, the era even. Uh, do you think that's true? I mean, is that something that you uncovered as well, this, this, uh, this type of involvement by top politicos in these sex rings? Uh, 
I've read a lot about it, you know, um, some of it from sources that I consider pretty credible, some from sources that I don't consider so credible. Um, I haven't personally spent uh, a lot of time or really any time at all with uh, with self-described victims, uh, although I do have a buddy. Um, I don't, are you familiar with uh, the book, The uh, Franklin... Yes, that was, uh, yeah, Ted Gunderson was uh, involved in that investigation. This was, uh, I believe, uh, around, was it Nebraska? Uh, yeah, Omaha. But this, Omaha, this is, uh, yes. Not, not the, not the uh, DeCamp book, but there's, there's a newer one that just came out like a year or two ago by a, a New York-based journalist named uh, Nick Bryant. I don't know if you Yes, heard. I do remember that. Uh, and I'm just trying to remember the, the details of the Franklin case. I know in one, one of the instances there was a, a child that was swept off the street disappeared basically for something like 20 years, showed up on his mother's doorstep. He was a paper boy, uh, and and, uh, she wrote about this and how he had been caught up in this Washington uh, sex ring. He was... uh, Yeah, Johnny Goss, the Johnny Goss. Yes. Yeah, that was was connected uh, to the Franklin, but... um, Anyway, this, this is the guy. The guy that wrote it. Uh, I've, I've gotten. Uh, I've, I've never actually met him, but we've, we've spoken on the phone a number of times uh, since the book came out. And he uh, he regularly attends uh, conferences for uh, you know survivors conferences. And he, he he tells me exactly the same thing that that, that you did. That uh, you know he's met a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of self described victims. Uh, he said most of them, most of them are women. A lot of them are uh, are uh, pretty attractive women. They tend to be. He said uh, he said they tend to have just fantastically just just freakishly good memories for uh, for detail. Um, and uh and yeah that they they name names they name places they name dates and uh and he said you know it's it's a very tricky it's he said it's a very very tricky uh line to walk because he, he said that he kind of he said he kind of classifies them in in the three groups uh, you know legitimate uh you know people uh ones that are you know legitimate victims uh people that are just Screwed up in the head for other reasons, and uh, you know, have uh, sort of transferred that. You know, sort of. Uh, he said the question that he asked himself is, you know, he says, "Yeah, these people are screwed up. Are they screwed up because the government screwed them up, or 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 do they think they are? Are they so screwed up that I don't remember how he worded it, but." Anyway, he said, you know, you, you get a you get a mix of legitimate victims, people that are just just you know completely out of it, and and uh, and he said people that he very much suspects are uh, are intel operatives posing as victims. Uh, you know, putting their own stories in there to sort of muddy the waters. Yeah, it is. It's a. It's a. It's, it is a muddy mess, and you don't know uh, so again it, how yeah, much. It's just a, a mess to try to sort through, and uh, but you know, but every once in a while, he's, you know, one of them will, will seem pretty legit and pretty sincere and pretty credible. You know, and uh, well, did Nick name. Bryant? Uh, Nick Bryant, after writing the Franklin scandal, uh, was he not sort of ostracized? Did he not lose his job with a newspaper over this? I don't know if he lost. He, he's, he's definitely been ostracized. Uh, he, he was fairly mainstream, you know. He, yes. He'd had, 
he'd had his stuff published by, I think, Rolling Stone and Playboy and, you know, some some pretty high-profile, uh, you know, national magazines. And, uh, you know, he had an agent and a, and a publisher and a publicist and, you know, all the stuff that, that real, uh, real, <laughs> real writers have, you know. And uh, and he took on this Franklin thing, and you know, he, he, from what he says, everyone is just just you know, nobody wants to have anything to do with him. You well, know, you know what? Him. He's touched a raw nerve, and and this book will be his legacy because I think this is this is the one that no one else would write, and he's written it. And and again, this Franklin scandal. Uh, would I mean when you see a child's picture on a milk carton, and. Uh, I mean, what are the odds, I wonder, that, that some of those children that were never found, let's assume that they're not uh, involved in some sort of a custody dispute and they weren't carted off to some, you know, foreign land by one of the estranged uh, partners, but uh, that, that they were caught up in this, this pedophile ring that went nationwide and, again, delivering these innocents into the hands of a, a cabal of rich and powerful people and the pimps that are running this ring, according to, to, to Nick Bryant's research and others, were a pair of political power brokers. And they, and they had access to the highest levels of government. That's pretty scary yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's very scary. Uh, it's, it's very scary. And, you know, I mean, uh, in my book, uh, you know, I, I go into uh, various scandals that have occurred in, in uh, other countries, you know, and that have been... That have been gotten more press coverage in those respective countries than than uh, than like the Omaha scandal. Yeah, Brussels. Year. Yeah, you talk know, to us about to this day. I've never never even heard of you know. They talk have no to idea. But uh, you know, there's there's been cases all over all over the all over the world where uh, you know very high ranking public officials, uh, uh, police chiefs, and judges, and uh, child services personnel, and you know all. <laughs> Police and and whatnot have been uh, have have been caught up in in these uh, these these uh, you know global sort of uh, international pedophile rings. Why don't when we come back, uh, Dave? Why don't you talk to us about one of the chapters in your book? Uh, it was a, a pedophile ring uh, in Belgium, I believe. Yeah, we'll do that uh, on the other side. Dave McGowan, author of Program to Kill: The Politics of Serial Killers. My name is Richard Serrett. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome back. Dave McGowan is uh, with us. Dave will be featured, in fact, in one of the episodes of the upcoming uh, The Conspiracy Show television series, which debuts on Vision TV, Feb 18th. Uh, One of the episodes deals with the whole uh, peak oil versus abiotic oil theory. And um, so you'll see Dave McGowan on uh, on that. Right now, however, we're talking about well, it's it's uh, a pretty gruesome topic, uh, and it's it has to do with uh, not only uh, serial killers but also the uh, the ringleaders in these child pornography uh, cases and uh, child abduction rings, and the connections to some of the highest offices in the land. These are not. Always lone crazed individuals that are preying on the most vulnerable in society. Sometimes they have connections to the corridors of power, and it's orchestrated from above. As gruesome and as cynical as that may sound, uh, let's go back to um, 
uh, a, a fairly uh, high-profile uh, case over in, in Belgium, uh, D- Dave. This was a, uh, a pedophile ring over in, in Brussels, I believe. Tell us about that case. Yeah, in, uh, yeah over in Brussels, Belgium, uh, it was the uh, Marc Dutroux case. And it basically began as a quote-unquote serial killer case. Uh, where this guy had kidnapped a number of young girls and uh, kept them imprisoned uh, in the uh, makeshift uh, sort of cells, torture cells that he had built in the basements of his homes. He had like the guy, you know, the guy was like unemployed or uh, I believe or something, and yet he had like multiple bank accounts and multiple homes, and you know, he was he was obviously a really well-funded guy, but. Anyway, originally they, you know, they tried to play it off as just sort of a serial killer case that that this guy, you know, acting alone had, had kidnapped and killed all these girls, and some of them ended up buried on his properties, and uh, some of them weren't found. Some of them were still in in his torture cells when he was arrested. And uh, but anyway, as the case developed, it, uh, it became more and more apparent that it was a much wider ring than than what had been. Uh, Initially claimed, you know, that just a, a lone nut serial case, you know, but uh, it, it, it was uh, it, it became more and more apparent that that and the, and the net got wider and wider and ensnared various uh, police officials and government officials. And, I mean, it, it went all the way up the ladder, and uh, and the people you know, efforts, serious efforts were made to keep it covered up. Witnesses were threatened. Witnesses were even were even by all appearances killed. And, uh, you know, every effort was made to cover it up, but, but ultimately enough of the truth did come out and that the, uh, the Belgian people rose up and took to the streets uh, by the hundreds of thousands, and they basically shut the country down. And then they were even joined by, like, the fire department who rolled their trucks out and turned their hoses on government buildings. And, uh, I mean, it was a big, you know, like a, like a real demonstration. Like, we don't... <laughs> Like we don't have in this country down here, uh, nothing even close. And I mean, they basically they shut down the tra- you know all the transportation, and they they basically brought the country to a standstill, and uh, and succeeded in in getting uh, a few of the government officials ousted, uh, who were you know in reality just sort of sacrificial lambs to. Uh, to hold the ruling uh, coalition together, uh, because you know it was in danger of being, you know, pretty much toppled, you know, completely. Uh, the people were so outraged by this, and you know, the same thing would happen here if we had, if we had any kind of real press to to cover it and and bring that story to the people. And you know, in the Franklin case. Um, uh, there was actually a documentary made by, I think it was York Television in uh, conjunction with the Discovery Channel or something like that, and they had a, a uh, documentary set to air on it, Conspiracy of Silence. It was even listed in the TV listings and whatnot, and it got yanked um, just days before its scheduled air date, from what I from what I remember, and uh, all copies of it were already destroyed and whatnot, but some... Uh, some promo copies uh, got out and it, it were at one time a real hot commodity, very hard to find. Now, of course, in the age of the Internet, it's, it's pretty easy to find. But, uh, you know, that was that's, uh, that would have been, you know, the, the sort of the first effort to sort of bring that story to uh, to the American people. And, and it was very successfully uh, squashed. So, um, 
you know, but yeah, if, if these stories could could get out there to a, to a wide enough audience, uh, yeah, the uh, the outrage of the people would be uh, would be considerable. Well, it it is interesting how uh, you you mentioned the, the outrage in in Belgium. Uh, we contrast that uh, with uh, there was a case of a a fairly high profile. A cabinet minister in France, I believe his name was Frederick Mitterrand, who actually wrote a book, and he was almost boastful about it. I think the book was called A Bad Life, but he was almost bragging about how he was uh, one of these, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he joined these uh, gay sex tours uh, in Thailand and uh, would engage in, in sex with, with uh, underage, uh, well, children, essentially. And yet, as far as I know, he never did resign over that. Do you remember that case? Um, not so much. So, no. I mean, it kind of, sort of, vaguely rings a bell. Why? But, why don't? Uh, uh, yeah, without really kind of looking into it, uh, yeah, yeah, doesn't nothing in particular. <laughs> no, you know that's just it. It didn't get a lot of it. It was sort of you know uh, probably page five of the USA Today and then gone the next day. But uh, uh, but why? Is it just public's, the public's incredulity that they're not willing to even go there, to even countenance, you know, the idea that, uh, that uh, who knows, a, a, a Supreme Court judge or a, or a U.S. senator could be, in fact, participating in these child abduction, uh, uh, child prostitution rings? I mean, that's just beyond the pale for most people. Yeah, it really is. You know, I mean, a lot of the stuff, you know, and I mean, that's, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of the mental struggle that I went through in researching and writing the book, a lot of the stuff is just so, so far removed from what we believe to be our everyday reality that, that, it, that it's, it's very hard to believe. And, and that's, uh, in a sense, that's, that's really kind of that they, they they have that as sort of a built in defense mechanism because even even in the event that that uh, you know a little bit of disclosure occurs here and there, uh, it's so outrageous that most people are going to dismiss it out of hand. You know, they're going to just say, you know, whatever, though that person's crazy or uh, that person has some kind of crazed agenda or you know whatever whatever the case may be, they're going to find a reason. To, to discount that information because it, it's just it creates just way too much cognitive dissonance. It does not integrate in with the other other uh, with the rest of the reality in their brain. You know, it just doesn't fit. That's not a piece of the puzzle that can be fit in without completely rearranging your view of how the world works. And people aren't really willing to do that. You know, I mean. Uh, you know, if you're talking about a president or a senator or whoever it is, I mean, you know, if uh, most people are, are going to be, you know, you're going to have a hard time convincing them that that, that person, uh, you know, might have had foreknowledge of 911 or might have, uh, you know, told a few lies to get us into a war, whatever the case may be, you know, I mean, if people are going to be reluctant to, to believe that, are they going to believe you when you tell them that, oh, yeah, and they're also a violent pedophile, you know? <laughs> it's just, it's not going to... Right. Yeah, it, it, it's just not going to fit in with their world, you know, with their worldview. 
It was uh, uh, the author of The Manchurian Candidate, Richard Condon's uh, line, uh, when you don't have, I think I'm paraphrasing here, uh, when you don't have all the facts, uh, your your worst fears are probably closest to the truth. I'm not familiar with the quote, but it sounds about right. <laughs> I'm just, I'm wondering about the, the, the victims of these unspeakable horrors. And again, I've talked to uh, I talked to a woman who claimed to be uh, uh, essentially an Illuminati sex slave, uh-huh. and um, I mean, the the purpose. I mean, how are these how are these victims being used once their psyches have been fractured and compartmentalized, and they they you know now they have this disassociative disorder, so they are essentially you know these mind control Manchurian candidates. How? How are they being used? Are they being used as uh, in, to, uh, to to blackmail? Um... That's one of the, yeah, that's one of the main uses. He has is uh, sort of as a sex slave for purposes of sexual blackmail, uh, which is a very good control uh, mechanism. You know, to make sure that uh, you know, just in case anybody's thinking about stepping out of line, you know, you got it. Always helps to have some uh, you know some some photos uh, available. You know, so that, that I think that that's uh, that's definitely a uh, you know that that's a very common usage I believe is, is to uh, is, is to create these sort of sexual blackmail situations. Uh, so, also, in other words, I you mean, could... they're used for a variety of things. They're used for you know for Manchurian candidates. Uh, they're used for as couriers, information couriers, drug couriers, weapons couriers. Uh, you know, especially information carriers, because, I mean, their idea, you know, George Estabrooks, a military hypnotist, talked about that way back in, like, the 1940s or yes. something, about, uh, you know, how useful that could be, because these people can literally be fed information and not know that they're carrying that information. So they, I mean, literally, I mean, even if they're captured, tortured, whatever it is, that they're... Uh, you know, they have nothing to reveal, but unless the person has the, you know, programming codes or what cues, whatever it is, to, to release that information, uh, you know, it, it's completely 100% secure until it reaches its destination, so to speak. Unless, you know? yeah, then so, the person on the other end has the right trigger word. Uh, yeah, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot, a lot of uses, you know. Um, you know, I, I think there's, yeah, there's, uh, there, there's, there's probably unlimited. Uh, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of uses that, that we don't even know about. I, I, I spoke to a, a, a mind control victim or someone who escaped from the, the, the sort of the MK Ultra program uh, and was puzzled as to her uh, puzzled herself as to why she was allowed to live. But somehow she got out and, and, and through, um, you know, hypnosis and, and so forth, she uncovered these, these memories. And it turns out as. Uh, Often the, the 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 person who gets them into these uh, programs, whether it's the Phoenix program or or, or uh, some sex ring, or knows the person intimately. We, men- we mentioned Richard Ramirez, his handler, I guess, his cousin was uh, came out of uh, you know special forces in Vietnam. In this case, this woman's uh, father was a high-ranking military person. She became a mind control victim. I had no choice in it, and uh, but the thing was that's amazing is by day she's she's leading this normal life. She's going to public school. She's doing well. At night, yeah. at night she's being turned into a trained assassin. She's she later learned that she was able to fly these attack helicopters, and she had no prior knowledge of that. It's yeah, amazing. I mean, I've heard you know. I, I well, I think you know. Um, 
particular skills. That's another thing. Um, you know, uh, when when you when you ask, you know, what are what are uh, you know what are they used for? I I uh, I very much believe that uh, by emphasizing focusing on particular skill sets from a very early age through these techniques, you know, they can they can basically sort of groom people to fill positions later in life. I think that's that's true in, in professional athletics, I think, a lot, you know. Um, uh, in Hollywood, definitely, you know. I mean, I, you know, you, you hear about, you know, method acting and, and actors, like, being so far in character that they, uh, you know, can't leave the character behind when they leave the set and, and uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. And really, uh, there's really metaphors for, for, for mind control, you know. Well, I've got that, one. That's I... Why, I believe that's why some of our best actors are and actresses are so good at what they do, because they have a lot of people living inside of them. And if they have a role that calls for them to be a, a junkie or, or a prostitute or, you know, whatever it is, they can call upon one of these these altars and sort of become that persona you know for that for that part and it, it's not really acting so much as it is sort of you know getting into character as they as they say in the business you well, know that's a fascinating and, take uh, and i'm sure a lot of a lot of uh, of this um you know these mind control programs and these cults emanate out of uh, out of hollywood uh, of course the other the other uh use or end game for these mind control victims that have been horrifically ritualistically abused is uh, is to be the patsy whether it's uh, a mark david chapman or uh who knows maybe this uh, jared lee uh lofgren who was in who was involved in the tucson arizona show shooting we'll probably never know but uh in any event oh yeah absolutely and and, and getting, you know getting back to the program to kill some of the serial killers as well like i said before you know they 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 fit the very same pattern and you see the very same themes and the very same patterns and that that's what just as much true there that is there that uh, some of them have definitely been been patsies. They've been fall guys, you know. I mean, uh, a lot of people don't even know that, that that some of these people were never even never even charged, let alone convicted of uh, you know the crimes that they supposedly committed. You know, like Wayne Williams, the you know he he's publicly branded as the Atlanta child murderer, but he was never actually charged. <laughs> Uh, let alone tried and convicted of, of a single, the murder of a single child, you know. And Albert DeSalvo, according to history, is the Boston Strangler, but he was never charged with a single count of murder, never went to trial, was never convicted. It was all the court of public opinion, you know. Um, so, you know, there's definitely, uh, the very same thing applies there. You'll find the same uh, the same thing. Some of these guys were definitely patsies. They were fall guys that went down to protect other people. Well, Dave, as I say, it's uh, it's probably uh, something that's for for a lot of people. It's just they don't even want to go there. But I really recommend yeah. uh, that they at least make an effort. And uh, it's a it's it's a um, it's a reality. Uh, that that that's out there, and at, at some point we're going to have to confront it if we're ever going to uh, get to the truth or an approximation of the truth. And the book again is uh, "Program to Kill: The Politics of Serial Killer uh, Serial Killers." And Dave McGowan, you're very courageous to have written it, and uh, I can't uh, help but ask, what's next from you? Um. You know, I really don't know. I don't really have any. Uh any 
books in the works, and uh, I haven't really had much inspiration to write them. I've kind of been in a slump lately, so I don't know. I need to kind of, I guess, break out of the uh, writer's block. And uh, you never know. I mean, you know, a few years ago, I was I was sort of in the same spot, and all of a sudden, I sort of discovered this whole Laurel Canyon story and uh, ran with that for like a couple of years, and. Uh, got great response from all my, all my readers and stuff on that so uh you never know i mean i could i could stumble upon something tomorrow or or you know uh or, or not so i just have to see see what uh see what comes along i guess all right uh, david well i hope you'll uh, join us again real soon we'll uh there's always much to discuss and i appreciate yeah, your time tonight time. sure all right dave mcgowan the center for an informed america my thanks also to Rosemary Ellen Guiley, Nelson Thal, our media scientist, who joins us from uh, time to time, and, of course, Dr. Patricia Doyle. Great to have her back. My thanks to Dan Ellison. Next week, Jordan Maxwell on the program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I say in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.